are you doing, Ed? Very good, thanks. The weather's been good. I'm taking a week off. Could it be better? Yes, it could have been better. We could have got three points instead of the board draw that we did manage to achieve against Chelsea. What was your take on that game as a whole? Well, the summary was the last five minutes where each of the sides kind of pass it around their back for no one trying to win. It was like Austria versus West Germany in 1982. Well, the fans were both singing the name of the same player for quite a lot of that game. Very strange affair, all in all. Who knew Bebe would be so popular? Viva Ronaldo! Both sets of supporters. Weird, weird that Chelsea would be doing that. Yeah, uh, the whole affair was a very odd occasion. Uh, So to focus specifically on the football for a bit, one sort of ridiculous half chance that wouldn't have been a chance for anyone else from RVP where he blasted it at at the near post and it it took a big deflection, well, a tiny deflection, but I'm pretty sure it was going on target and would have flown into the net at ridiculous pace uh, had it not taken that deflection. And then uh, one one scuffed chance by Danny Welbeck who did not realise that John Terry had fallen over behind him and surely if he'd thought about it for a few seconds, he would have realise wait a minute it's John Terry of course he's gonna fall over that's what he always does of course that's why Chelsea fans were singing about Ronaldo he missed a penalty kick too no no you know hang on a minute they weren't uh, yes I suppose we should talk football there wasn't much of it though I have to admit it was a pretty low quality game I mean both sides passing percentage down in the low 80s 81% tells you something it was kind of scrappy let's put it down to the early season uh, nervousness and bedding in and that kind of stuff and of course you've got two pretty conservative coaches I mean uh, Mourinho who has many different guises but as Chelsea manager has always been a negative coach became something more positive at Real Madrid although you know in a certain kind of way and seems to have reverted to type and and Moyes who when given the choice almost always takes the conservative approach or pragmatic approach depending on you know how you want to label it and it turned out to be not a very good game all in all. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me of our lengthy debates during the last European Championships, the post-match interviews where, you know, Moyes said, of course, we showed much more attacking intent. We picked three strikers and he didn't pick any. And I was like, ah, yeah, but we all know that it's not the players that you pick, it's the positions that they play. And neither side played three forwards by any stretch of the imagination. Well, no. United played in exactly the same formation they have uh, effectively since Moyes took over. So through pre-season and the early season games, which is basically a, a straight 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one, with one player off one striker. I mean, it's a, you know, old 4-4-2 four, four, with a, instead of a big man, little man, a, a kind of split striker combo. It, it's quite old school, but that's that's how he plays. And, and typically in that one behind the one, he's, he's played a midfielder who runs from midfield, you know, a kind of old school third man but uh, this time around he's playing Wayne Rooney against Chelsea and, and Danny Welbeck in the two games before that to call it a straight 4-4-1-1 uh, there's a there's a there's a touch of you know weird unbalanced 4-2-3-1 about it isn't there because Welbeck is not exactly playing as a left winger is he in that in that role but he did spend an awful lot of time out there on the left wing yeah, he did. But I mean, the thing is, I think in how I would understand a 4 2 3 one this podcast is not about uh, <laughs> nerd tactics talks, but uh, Moyes gets his wide players to cover their fullbacks, for right, sure. Right, 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 right. This is not three attacking players behind a single number nine up front. So it's not quite that. No. And, you know, for example, and debate I've had with several people on, on uh, Twitter and so on, is could you play Shinji Kigawa in the left side of that 4-2-3-1, if you want to call it that? I think not, because he's asking that player to protect the left back all the time because he does get his left backs to play very high up the field. You know, a, a conversation we had last week when talking about Leighton Baines. Yeah, absolutely. And actually... um. 
just talking of not being a stats nerd, I just pulled up Danny Welbeck's player dashboard, and it is incredibly biased to the left, and there's an awful lot of defensive activity as well in the left-back cover position, mm. you know, it's mm. very kind of noticeable. Because it's, it's the whole thing, right, we're definitely going to come on to the subject of statistics in football, because it's it's come up this week, and I, I think it's an extremely helpful way of understanding some things about the game, but it's not, I mean, you know, anyone using a stat without it representing something is silly. The numbers don't have that much value in and of themselves but they have value as part of the conversation if the numbers kind of if you're seeing something and then the numbers back that up I think that's pretty significant there's a few threads in this aren't there there's the the Chelsea game there's how Moyes sets up his teams there's the performances of certain players and I I guess you know we can analyse the game and we can analyse the players and and then Moyes it's a little more difficult because you have to wonder whether he'll adapt to his position as was put to Gary Neville uh, who will adapt first Manchester United and Moyes and he said that the club will force him to change and we'll see whether that's true because I think 10 years in the Premier League and Everton have pretty much set up the same way all the time and you kind of there's certain things that David Moyes likes he likes a, an attacking midfielder in the old school sort of Brian Robson sense running from deep to play behind a single striker and he likes his two wide players to protect their fullbacks and then cut inside in an attacking situation to allow the fullbacks to, to burst forward that's just kind of how he sets his teams up. Now, maybe he won't do that with United, but the evidence kind of says he might do. And that's kind of how United played against Chelsea, you know, and, and you end up becoming quite narrow. Uh, and that's how he likes it, because actually defensively, he's going to have a very solid unit. So uh, if you think back to the start of last season, when United were very, very loose through midfield, I don't think Moyes will allow that to happen. And in fact, he's got his two central midfielders sitting quite deep. So Carrick and Cleverly, it appears, is the pair at the moment, protecting the their back four and it has caused a bit of a problem because he hasn't got that other attacking midfielder in the sense that he might want it he's he's ended up with uh, his forwards a long way from the defence in the midfield. So, United playing quite a lot of long balls. Anyway, so all that is a pricey to say against Chelsea. He had a bit of a tactical problem and that's why United ended up being quite solid but not particularly creative. You know, three shots on goal and I suppose, what was it, 12 chances overall, which is not bad against a, a, you know, major rival for the title but didn't exactly look like we were battering down their door. A lot of commentators about this game, I mean fans rather than, you know, fancy paid commentators, have talked about how terrible Chelsea actually were. That actually nil-nil against that particular Chelsea outfit is not a very impressive result. But I think there is some justification to that point of view. And I think certainly Chelsea, if there's a Chelsea podcast talking about their kind of midfield and attacking performance, they'll be very disappointed in it as well. But their centre-backs, for all that they're much maligned and often rightly so, actually as a defensive unit they were quite effective and they did limit the opportunities that United created with the little you know the little clever technical interplay around the edge of the area that's a kind of it's an important facet of our play right the that kind of interplay around the edge of the area many times opportunities were blocked by defenders not falling for the passes and all that kind of stuff and, and half chances seem to happen not helped by the fact that that Van Persie and, and Rooney did not click it's fair to say in that game particularly well I'm not commenting on that one <laughs> Uh, did not click. You wondered who'd farted in the lift. <laughs> uh, Wayne Rooney passed uh, Van Persie five times. Uh, only one of them in the final third of the pitch. Not that I'm being a complete stats nerd, but I really feel like somebody needs to have an extremely rational discussion about Wayne Rooney's performance in that game. Because loads of fans were losing the run of themselves praising his performance. 
Yeah. All I could think of was this is just because people really like running around, right? That's this is the thing. If you really want to get fans on your side, you put a shift in. Yeah. You're kind of ninety percent of the way there. This is British fans. I think if you took a poll, and of course this is unscientific, of of uh, Manchester United fans in Britain, uh, they would say, "Great, Wayne Rooney, fantastic." If you did this in a country of a different technical bent, uh, you might get a different result. I think there's something about British fandom. They like that running around, and they like Rooney putting in a tackle. Commentators on Sky TV praising him for doing that. That's great, but of course he's playing at number ten, so perhaps he should be doing the business around the box and unfortunately he didn't manage to do that his play was very sloppy so he's in the low 70s for past percentage completed you know people don't like you throwing that stat around but it, it tells you something about how effective he was with his passing even lower of course in the vital areas did manage to get three shots on target although two of them were pass backs yeah, and the other one, like, I get relatively little stick on Twitter, which is lovely, please. Like, that's how I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could keep it like that, I'd be much appreciated. I'm, I'm, I'm a delicate flower. But even I got some stick for suggesting that he should have perhaps slipped the ball through to a unmarked Robin Van Persie, who was five yards ahead of him, running through the Chelsea defence. Uh, you know, I don't know. Looked pretty clear-cut to me that, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a forward, and, and ultimately, actually, there's nothing wrong with forwards backing themselves and shooting but definitely didn't look like it was the best option in that particular moment. But I'm definitely coloured by my feelings about Wayne Rooney. If that was the other way round, I wouldn't be kind of going, oh, Van Persie should have slipped through that to Wayne there, and unless I was being extremely rational about it, so, you know. So, yeah, look, let, let's summarise his performance. He he made a really good effort. Yeah. But isn't that the least that's expected? I, re- I think back to that Roy Keane interview a few years ago. In fact, I think my opinion is autobiography when he said total and utter commitment is absolute minimum you expect as a Manchester United player and then your talent should take over. So I don't think you praise him for effort, right? And the reason why he got praised for effort is because he's wanted to get out of Manchester United for the entire summer and he's had his people trying to do it. And if given the option, he would go tomorrow. So people are praising him because of that. It's kind of overreaction to it. So I don't think he should get praised for the effort. And then if you look at the quality, it was really mediocre and it looked like a player who's barely had any football recently, which is true because he hasn't completed a full 90 minutes for like five months. So... Trying to be objective, my summary of his performance is it looked very rusty. It wasn't brilliant. He ran around a lot. Okay, great. But you expect a lot more of a player of his quality. Yeah, and, you know, we, we had a little discussion pre-show and we just slightly differ on the emotional content of, of Rooney's situation as, as, as it stands now. Uh, United fans... A lot, a lot of United fans sang his name loudly, full-throatedly in support of the player. There there was the very, very peculiar incident that I referred to earlier of the fact that the Chelsea fans were also singing his name. So very rare that that happens in in a football match. And it kind of made them look even more desperate than it made us look. But honestly, like if I'm being really honest about it, I quite like the insane, bloody-minded chanting of his name because he's got a Man United kit on so uh, you know it's not what I would choose for myself but there's something I find kind of uh, for want of a better word I find it slightly endearing although I can completely understand your perspective which not wanting to speak for you would perhaps more suggest a slightly different version of why United fans were chanting for him well so what I really don't like about it is that it's desperate 
And I don't think that's right. I don't think we should be scousers about this. I don't, look, this is a guy who's twice tried to engineer a, a move out of United. Not, not to some club and far-flung lands, but first to City and then to Chelsea, right? He doesn't want to play for Manchester United, so it's just a job to him. And if it's just a job to him, why should the loyalty only be one way? So United fans are hero-worshipping this guy. And, and, you know, that's what it is because he's not merited the Rooney, Rooney, Rooney chance on his performances recently, at least not for a year and a bit. And and so they're hero-worshipping on what basis? Because, what, we're desperate for him to stay? Uh, because he hasn't performed that well. Because he's loyal to Manchester United? Nope. Because he's loves the club like the fans do? Nope, definitely not there. Because he doesn't want to join our major rivals for the title. Um, no, yep, he does. So I have to say, none of those things add up for me. Doesn't mean, you know, a weird parlance of people sending me tweets that I'm slagging him off. I'm not <laughs> actually sure what that means. I really don't know what it means. You know, I, I think if you lay a legitimate criticism against uh, about someone, that's, that's not slagging them off. This is uh, pure fact. He's not played very well recently and uh, he doesn't want to play for the club. I mean, you know, Mourinho said in his interview afterwards that this is clearly a special club because any other club in the world they wouldn't have been singing his name in that that way when he wanted any other club in the world the player says he wants to leave player fans don't sing his name I don't know why he's one of those meerkats from the advert all of a sudden but anyway mm-hmm. but you know that's, that's the gist of Mourinho's point and you know I know this is a bit insane but part of me was like yeah I'm sort of weirdly proud of that fact you know that the I, in fact I think I talked very much on last week's pod, I was talking about a kind of fear that United are just going to become another home crowd, like like so many of the other home crowds around the country. But we're still definitely not there yet. I mean, the absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal reception for David Moyes. That, I'm sure that's, that's a very different subject, obviously. But but it was noticeably kind of emotive and supportive. And I, I thought that was kind of brilliant. That is different, right? So I, I think this is uh, David Moyes and Wayne Rooney are not quite the same thing. It's David Moyes absolutely. and Luis Suarez, you know. Now, this is our this is how it's becoming about Wayne Rooney. Look, uh, Mourinho said that to give uh, Rooney an exit. <laughs> You're so cynical. No, no, he did. He did. And in the same in the same conversation, he said Rooney's got to finish the story now, right? So he's saying, Rooney, you can save face here, and you can turn around and say the fans have won me over, right? We know that is bollocks. He he does not want to play for United. But he's saving face by that. And if not, you need to tell United you want out now and you need to force the issue, right? So that's that's what Mourinho is saying there. And it's, you know, it's, you can call me cynical, but it's the truth. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm absolutely not saying you're wrong. But I don't think you can say that there isn't an effect on Rooney of receiving that kind of support. I, I don't think you can say that and cast it as factual truth. I think you can you can say that your view is very much that it's most likely that all oh, this is just a smokescreen. But I think the possibility does exist that actually he was... Rooney's spin since 2010, because we haven't even mentioned 2010 when we're talking about all this, and it definitely plays into it because this is not our first rodeo with Wayne's one-to-away status, is it? You know, his spin since then was that was the biggest mistake of his life. I just watched the interview that he gave where he said, you know, it was just a terrible mistake and he got his head turned sort of thing. That's been his spin on it all along. And it, Ferguson absolutely, like, did Rooney over as, as he was leaving. And, you know, <laughs> that's in the eyes of the, the vast majority of the support, like, completely 
completely like just threw him under the bus 100% you know it, it was a weird decision from Fergie I, I think it was probably strategic and tactical but maybe it was just personal maybe it was just revenge as, as some have suggested for 2010 but you know I, I think the possibility exists that Wayne is just angry and confused you know he's a, a young man extremely poorly advised whose emotions are playing into his decision making and actually having a reception like that m- makes some difference nah come on look he's got he's got his people working for him and who use the moist quotes uh, to uh, you know you mentioned angry and confused he used moist quotes to stir up uh, you know some more excuses for Rooney getting out you know and the fact if he turns around and says it's for the fans it's no less cynical of Wayne Rooney saying that than Luis Suarez turning around saying the fans have won me over all right fair enough when is when the summer trying to get out? If Chelsea bid a figure that was acceptable for United tomorrow, Rooney would go. <laughs> he might be gone by the time when this comes out. <laughs> I mean, do you doubt that in the slightest? I, I don't know what to think. I, I don't know what to think. I I, I think you. Any, anyway, you mentioned rodeo. Yeah. I, I once spent uh, till six in the morning in a bikini bronco rodeo in Las Vegas. Now there was a mistake. I, I digress. <laughs> Yeah, and let's digress off the blinking topic of Wayne Rooney, because, I mean, look, if you want it... uh, by the way, all that stuff I just said, not like I'm saying this is what I believe about the situation. Honestly, I think you're probably right. I just think the possibility exists of that other thing. Of course, we are killing the rank cast talking like this, you know that. (laughs) Now... Listen, I, I retain... I, I do not take myself seriously when it comes to football. I've said this so many times on the show. I know what I'm talking about. I only do this because I enjoy talking... Like, as a, the the origin of the rank cast lies in the fact that me and you used to have these conversations on the phone and you had a United website. So one day I said, hey, let's put these conversations that we have a phone on the internet and people seem to like them. Anyway, look, um, I, I, I'm of the Aaron Sorkin school of audience management and uh, I read a brilliant interview with Aaron Sorkin, um, those who don't know him, of West Wing fame and now the excellent but flawed newsroom he said uh, my approach to audience management f*** the audience (laughs) Edward does not speak for me ladies and gentlemen as well you know the the, the thing is who cares right it's not it doesn't matter in the scheme of things we're only we're chatting about Manchester United and we care about it so we air our views on it and if you if you have a profoundly different view on the subject of Wayne Rooney good luck to you I asked on Twitter for people to uh, defend Wayne Rooney and or, or I got very late. I had to ask twice in order to get anyone to come forward seriously because mostly I just got jokes uh, sent to me. And really, basically, the line of defence is he's an excellent player. Selling him to Chelsea strengthens them. And I, I kind of feel like, and you know, somebody linked to some of the, uh, at Trafford Talk, linked to some of the great goals that Rooney scored at United over the years. And fine, that, that's wonderful. I don't disagree with any of that. No, exactly. <laughs> It's, this is not what I kind of, I didn't phrase my question well on, on Twitter because I'm not really asking about defend his qualities as a player. You said six months ago, three months ago, maybe, who's, when asked who's United's best player, you instantly said Wayne Rooney. You know, it, it, we're not, we're not d- doubting the best of Wayne Rooney's qualities. It's this whole thing of why, you know, ultimately be whatever kind of fan you like. You, you can be whatever kind of fan you like. It's a bit like religion, right? Have whatever religion you want. Just don't stick it in my face. Be whatever kind of fan you want. Just don't tell me what kind of fan to be. I'm going to be the kind of fan that thinks it's a bit tawdry, the whole Rooney affair. And I, even though I kind of have some affection for the ridiculous chanting of his name and all that kind of stuff, I ultimately come down on the side that says, this kind of makes you look a bit of a mug because he's been 
playing you for a mug all summer. But, you know, be whatever kind of fun you want. Very good. Well, we could be like Scousers in that case because United are playing Liverpool next weekend. Anyway, <laughs> shall we wrap up on the Chelsea game? Yeah. All in all, I think, uh, actually on the pitch, uh, a bit disappointing, you know? Not a very good game. Uh-huh. Very low quality. Uh-huh. Not a lot of chances. Quite negative, especially from Chelsea, but, you know, not actually that positive from United, even though we did have three forwards nominally on the pitch. Personally, very disappointed yeah. not to see Shinji Kagawa. He is ahead in his training than Young. He's not been injured this summer. He, he just had uh, he had a disrupted summer, mainly disrupted by United, making sure he spent a week uh, and he should have been training, doing promotional stuff. But he's not had a look in at all uh, under Moyes. And, and it, I have to say it's quite worrying and not that surprising if you look at how Moyes has uh, used his kind of high quality creative midfielders in the past. Yeah, absolutely. The substitutions in that game were a bit depressing, really, weren't they? The, the, there was like every time one, every time the board goes up, thinking, "Is this the time?" Because actually, that game looked like it was absolutely crying out for a bit of, you know, trickery and magic to unlock the door, didn't it? You know. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, and uh, right. I, I know people don't agree with this point of view. They, they, uh, they essentially to summarise. And uh, sorry if I'm accidentally paraphrasing anyone out there, but to summarise, wait and see. Uh, he might use him eventually. He's not fit and I have to say um, I'd rather go the other way around wait and see by some miracle he might use him because history tells me that he won't because he's not a Moyes type player he might use him from outer in but as I said, he might he likes those players that he uses in that position to cover their fullbacks as well. And that's not Kagawa for me. And as many other people have said, he, he does play in a sort of three up front for Japan on the left side. And he does. And I think he's about 75% of the player when he does that, when I've seen him. He, he doesn't get the ball enough uh, to affect the game in the way he did for Dortmund. And uh, he doesn't have any defensive duties. And I think those are two very different things. I cannot see him playing very often if Rooney stays because he needs to play in that position. Uh, we had a question from friend of the Rankcast, Liz Worsley, about this very subject of why Kagawa was bought in the first place. And I, I think we've it's pretty clear that he was just bought before the Van Persie transfer. He was bought to play behind Rooney, and then we bought Van Persie, and the whole thing goes up in the air at that point, and Kagawa was the one who's been sacrificed out of the three of them. I mean, we've spoken about it many times now. Uh, three into two don't go. And uh, and Kagawa can't play in his natural position uh, if, if you're going to play Rooney and Van Persie ahead of him. Now, of course, it's a slightly different argument with Rooney because maybe Kagawa deserves a shot there because Rooney's performances haven't been great. But um, I think it's safe to say that Moyes would prefer Rooney in that position. I'd prefer Rooney in that position if he was playing to his qualities. You know, if, if they're both in great form, I pick Rooney every time. But he's not not been which means you, you want to think about how you use Kigawa and uh, he's not going to get there which which makes all the talk of Mesut Ozil potentially coming to United a little bit redundant for me you know of course, Mesut Ozil can play from out to in in a very effective way and he has done at Real Madrid, but again, not with any kind of defensive duties. And, uh, you know, in in any case, I'm pretty sure having having asked around plenty three years ago when Ozil potentially joined United that there's no chance of that happening again now. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't it, that transfer? Because that's very much like the Van Persie transfer of he's clearly not the player we need, but you'd have him because he's fantastic. You know, he's, that's, that's the Ozil thing, but I'm sure you're right there. At Embet says, talking to the Chelsea game, what shirt number should Tony V try next? Tony V25 uh, back in action against Chelsea, earning again a lot of plaudits for his performance. But all those plaudits come from, almost all of them, comes from times when he doesn't have the ball. 
He was extremely effective defensively. As United were collectively, they, you know, Moyes has got them drilled, right? That's they, they look really solid defensively. I think we will be, as I kind of explained earlier, for, for all those reasons, he, he will have wide players protecting the back floor. He's going to have two in the central midfield protecting there. I mean, if Fellaini comes, I assume he'll play there and he'll replace Cleverly. You know, not, not as uh, good on the ball as Cleverly, but as more of the physical presence. And, and he'll set up like that. I think United will be very good defensively. Um, the worry is whether there's enough creativity in there to, to score enough goals in the end. And I mean, there is definitely enough creativity against weaker sides. That's not going to be a problem. We're going to blow a lot of teams away because we've got oodles of attacking power in that side as well, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, also I think the balance of the side, Raphael would have been picked ahead of Jones if he'd been fit and the balance of the side would look quite different because there would have been attacking threat down both flanks. I think Valencia's clearly picked up a bit of confidence, but there was definitely a number of times where he looked really tentative on the ball with his decision making in a way that two seasons ago he just never did. He got the ball and ran and and that was it so should we do uh, should we do a few Twitter questions before we move on to the Liverpool game Ed no, or, or is your kind of expletive the audience does that extend to, to listener feedback in this section no no let's uh, I think Twitter questions are perfectly appropriate right now <laughs> Atawate91, he asks, which player that doesn't currently have a chant is most deserving of one? Now, he has an ulterior motive for asking this question, and it's because he profoundly believes the answer to be Danny Welbeck, and that the chant should be, Until Danny, I was never happy. I needed so much more. Or something along those lines. And I I would be 100% okay with that. Better ask Mr. Boyle if he can get that one going. Oh dear. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> announced, uh, unveiled at the Chelsea game was the not at all horrendously embarrassing The Chosen One banner. Talking of embarrassing Man United fans, at Happy Heroes, not one of those, says, Is David Moyes the Chosen One? And after Jose's negative tactics, how glad are you that he wasn't chosen? Well, uh, so literally, Moyes was the chosen one because it, it appears that Ferguson appointed him. Uh, I'm sure there's more to that one, but uh, the, the way Moyes tells the story, is he the chosen one as in he's the, the perfect manager for Manchester United? And I, I, let's wait and see. Sorry to sit on the fence. I suspect there's going to be a lot of frustration because historically he's, he's a conservative coach and he, he plays his football in a certain way. Can he adapt? He's a 50 year old with, you know, 13, 14 years managerial experience. History says probably not, but hey, I'm there to be proven wrong on this one. Maybe I'll turn United into some kind of ticky tacky heaven now that Barcelona have ditched it and gone long ball. Um, the thing is, Ferguson was an incredibly conservative manager, you know, and he evolved into that. He started off, he, his evolution went the other way, started off as a swashbuckling maniac. And then, you know, the last five years have been more than five years now, incredibly conservative minded, right? Well, yes, in terms of the tactics, he, he got more and more uh, negative, yes. But he always had that kind of uh, eccentric yeah. gambling streak. Yeah. Right, no. Ferguson. If a game was there to be won, would stick on four forwards, and he did that right up to the end. Even if his selections became increasingly negative, I mean, you know, you can't look past uh, the Etihad Stadium, can you? A couple of years ago, which was a total 
total disaster and really, really negative. And, and that was the kind of thing he started doing in his later years. But um, when their game was there to be won, he still threw on the, the forwards. We'll see with Moyes whether he does that. But when, when I talk about that with Moyes, really, it's the first bit, right? It's, it's how's he going to set up the team? What kind of football does he want them to play? And I think he'll get United playing a pretty traditional defensive first format. And, and we'll see from there, you know. Um, I don't think we're going to get loads and loads of exciting football under Moyes, but I hope I'm wrong about that. And and as for the other part of the question, which is, aren't you glad it's not Jose that's been chosen? Oh, my goodness me, yes. Yeah, for sure. Never wanted Mourinho as United manager for a number of reasons. I mean, the club didn't have him because he's a PR disaster waiting to happen. But for me, it is the uh, history of negative football. Albeit that, you know, brief break in Madrid where he, he did play some good foot stuff at times, you know, in a certain way. They were always on the back foot and then breaking, but very, very effective at that. Absolutely. At Craig English 92 says, how much more would Bale be worth if he dressed normally? That's a, a good question. Yeah, footballers and their dress sense. They need a slap because, you know, really they can afford some good stuff and, and get someone to dress you in a, a sensible manner. I'm just saying. Um, at Joe Taylor 84 says, Walt or Jesse, I have never seen a single episode of Breaking Bad. I, uh, so it's a bad, emba- it's an embarrassing thing to admit, but it's the truth. I've seen three episodes, the first three episodes, and uh, I downloaded, um, <laughs> I acquired them in a highly legal manner uh, and in order to uh, catch up on what everyone's raving about, but I haven't got past that yet. At Ivaroon asks, which winger would Woodward want if Woodward wanted a winger? It's <laughs> a good question. I have to say, I was thinking about this. I probably shouldn't say this. This is like minus a million top red points. But if we were sitting here having signed Fernandinho and Navas over the summer, I'd be like saying, wow, these are two. Okay, Navas a bit of a risk or whatever. But And yeah, Fernandinho a bit overpriced. But flipping it, that's, a, that's two signings that kind of fulfil exactly what I feel like we need to strengthen the quality of our squad. And of course, we did sign a winger over the summer. We did. Spent £15 million on Wilfried Zahada. Okay, so the deal was done some six months earlier. Didn't get on the bench against Chelsea. No, no. Neither did Fabio. Interesting. I mean, interesting and sort of, I mean, I think that not really indicative of the season as a whole because that Chelsea game, conservation was absolutely first in his mind, wasn't it? You know, and and as you say, this was the fully conservative David Moyes in action. And very understandably so, first time home game against Chelsea that it's going to be one of the hardest games of the season and so if you want to as long as he's you know prepared to unleash the more kind of creative exciting players against the smaller sides and then start to kind of learn to have faith in them in the bigger games I'll be happy I don't think we should read too much into it for the whole season do you not reading anything but uh, it was a shame he was missing but we'll we'll see uh, at centre midfield says how much centre midfield could a Woodward chuck if a Woodward could chuck centre midfield look stop it everyone <laughs> we've had enough now at Peter of All Trades says, just how important is Raphael to Valencia's game? He stro- seemed to struggle to link effectively with Jones. I think the the main way that he was important to Valencia's game last season was that Raphael papered over some of the cracks of Valencia's poor attacking performances. Uh, again, harking back to Moyes, I, I think he likes a different type of player in there. I mean, I know Valencia's got the nod, but there aren't a lot of options. So I think he likes a player who can come inside and feels quite comfortable with that. Valencia is not necessarily that. So actually on the blog, Jay wrote something completely opposite. But I, I wonder as the season evolves whether Valencia might struggle to get in the team yeah absolutely 
at bifurcated underscore MUFC asks, what is Moise's Jose Mourinho name? So the way you get your Jose Mourinho name, right, is you take the word the and you end it with one and in the middle you put your current emotional state, right? So I think Moise's one, if we don't go with the chosen one, as we really, really shouldn't be, he's David Moyes, he's not Neo. David Moyes is, I don't know, the cautiously optimistic one, I think, is probably David Moyes' current current name. The slightly floundering in the transfer market, but hey, hopefully it'll all be all right in the end one. Uh, and ultimately, of course, David Moyes remains that you're not my real dad one. Uh, uh, and Brett also asks us, Ed, if we had to have a Jose Mourinho name, what would ours be? I think right now mine would just be the tired one, I think. <laughs> That's both in current state and also like the effect that I have on listeners at the moment. Yeah, well, I might be the cynical one in that case, in which case we'll become the old men out of the Muppets. (laughs) I thought we were terrible. Ah, We were okay. We were great. So talking of Muppets, I'd rather be a Muppet than a Scouse, as the old banner used to read. It's the big one where David Moyes is taking his red and white army to the gates of the Shankly gates and we're going to storm the cop. And Oh, I hate this fixture. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to storm the cop. We're, we're, look, we're playing mid-table side, right? Who uh, should brush aside quite easily. Although, it'd be interesting, Moyes going back to you know, his the land of his making, I suppose, as a manager. So, with the fawning press and all that. Will they be really critical of him? Interesting. Sorry, I'm digressing here, but I think Moyes is learning a thing or two about the difference between being a Manchester United manager and being an Everton manager. You know, the, the press in Liverpool are, are fawning over the clubs there and the, the press about Manchester United are most certainly not. And uh, he's he's uh, fallen foul of that particular one a few times now. And uh, I was a little worried about some of his comments, gotta say. Which might make him the media unsavvy one. Uh, what comments in particular? So, ask, are you bidding for bail? Well, we're always interested in the best players. Uh, does that mean you're bidding for bail? Uh, can you confirm or deny this? I, I can't deny this. Uh, you know, 15 minutes later, told by the PR department. Uh, are you bidding for bail? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I lost the run of myself when he when he gave that answer because I assumed it couldn't be a PR slip-up of that magnitude. But yeah, the, he said on, on Sky Telly, he said, did, certainly did not. He basically intimated, um, perhaps by accident it looks like, that yes, United were bidding for bail. Um, mm. I mean, do you, do you think that's complete nonsense? Yes, complete complete nonsense, yes. T- total nonsense. Yeah. So so he just he just forgot that, that the standard answer, PR answer about when asked about players which is that United are active and interested and invested in the transfer market was kind of used slightly inappropriately in that moment then yeah right, okay yeah right. yeah I mean that, that is kind of unfortunate and as you say a bit worrying but he is learning the ropes in, in that in terms of the scale of all that sort of thing isn't he Sorry, I took us on another track. We have a game at the weekend, and at Liverpool, of which there's been some intensity in recent years, I think. Oh, God. But not on the pitch, because they're generally rubbish, and still quite rubbish, I think, even though Brenton is trying to talk up their chances this season. But it's always Liverpool's year, and it's uh, not any different this year, is it? They've opened with two fairly drab one nils. Uh, Daniel Sturridge is being talked about as one of the best strikers in England. He's a new Luis Suarez, didn't you know? Yeah, and Coutinho is, uh, you know, the best attacking midfielder in, in the country. Well, I, actually, I have to say, I do quite like Coutinho. He's far too good for Liverpool, which means, of course, he'll be pushing for a transfer out of Liverpool in about a year's time. Absolutely. They're losing the run of themselves. It's 
hilarious. I mean, it's really, you know, not one to necessarily generalise about fans because there are, for sure, many really intelligent, smart, football-savvy, head-screwed-on Liverpool fans. But as a collective, much as as a collective we become a bunch of kind of odd, fawning sycophants, as a collective Liverpool fans, the whole kind of this-is-their-year thing, they've literally won two games 1-0 and they are actually talking about it. All the more reason to give them a good thumping at the weekend. Although I can't imagine it. Again, another tough fixture for United, if only because it's at Anfield. And I'm sure Moyes, in in one of his first away games as Manchester United manager, will not want to sully his reputation by losing at Liverpool. So, uh, you know, what what do I expect? I expect United to be pretty conservative, set up to not lose the game and uh, attempt to nick it through, you know, playing on the counter-attack. I mean, you know, he never won at Anfield the whole time that he was Everton manager, as the statistic is often brought up so it's going to be brought up a lot of times between now and that game the worst thing about this game is going to be Patrice ever getting booed something I find incredibly difficult to handle but you know we understand forgive father forgive them they know what not what they do as the bible would say in in this particular instance they're not actually booing him for being black they just don't know that that is actually what they're doing so that's all really unfortunate. Luis Suarez is not going to be around, which that's always a good thing. And, you know, they definitely have capacity to cause us problems. I'm making fun of Daniel Sturridge, but he's a good player and, and he's in excellent form. And good players in excellent form do a lot of damage. But we've got a couple of those of our own, haven't we? Yes, we do. And uh, on paper, United will beat this Liverpool side because for whatever weaknesses United have, they're a lot better than Liverpool. <laughs> yes. It's, it's still it's still going to be a tough game of course it always is at Anfield and I think SG does add something yeah whether it's mentally or otherwise with Moyes going there as well you know former Everton manager never managed to beat them never managed to beat Jose either that one continues and, and you know and, and I think for all those reasons I expect a fairly conservative lineup. I don't think he's suddenly going to unveil any tactical wonders here no Zahar on the right, Kagawa behind Van Persie, Rooney on the left then. I think we might see the return of Ryan Giggs. Yay! No, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm, I, I jest, but of course I love Ryan Giggs. It's just, I don't necessarily love what he always, what he stands for in, in these represents rather than stands for. But yeah, of course, it's always nice to see Ryan Giggs, even when it's not particularly nice to see Ryan Giggs, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I'm just hoping that his son, Daniel Sturridge, doesn't score. Because, you know, every player that's the sort of in their early 20s yeah. is probably Ryan Giggs' son. It's almost inevitable, isn't it? I saw, I saw Daniel Sturridge described on Twitter by uh, Galazzo Dan as evil Danny Welbeck. <laughs> Quite good. Daniel Sturridge is like the heel version of Danny Welbeck. Talking of heel, at some point during that Chelsea game, I was slightly surprised that Rooney didn't take a steel chair to David Moyes. And then, you know, with a long discussion on Twitter that involved Cristiano Ronaldo running out the tunnel and having David Moyes' back, but none of that came to pass. He's going to probably stay with us. So we're not going to record another one of these before the transfer window slams shut. Are United going to buy anyone between now and said slamming? Yeah, I think the Fellaini deal will be done. Okay. And uh, interesting, uh, the Express. So you know, I'm 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 saying it's the Express. So you don't think I believe this one? Hey? We're, we're signing Princess Diana. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yes, and Shinji Kagawa causes cancer. No, that's the Daily Mail. 
Um, the Express says that uh, Baines has asked Everton to let him leave and join United. I think that one is less likely. At the same time, interesting other story. Fans of Borussia Dortmund have started a free Shinji campaign because they want to get Shinji Kagawa back. I think that's very, very unlikely. One transfer we do know has happened. And Angelo Henriquez, a very good young Chilean player who has done well already, I think, for United's under-21 side and actually made it into the national team, is going to Real. Zaragoza for the season I think that's a good move for him get a year's worth of you know, experience very talented player that one and I don't think we'll see any Wayne Rooney moves uh, before the transfer window closes I think we're pretty certain about that one now big movers are more likely to be Chelsea and Arsenal not not United yeah, I mean, I don't know if the, as we've said so often, if the the window does close with United bringing in Fellaini and Zahar, I think given given where we stood at the end of last season, most United fans would have been pretty comfortable with that. Seems like two good additions, a winger and a central midfielder. That's definitely what we needed. If Baines is there as well, a left back. That's the other position that people think that we don't have enough cover in. Uh, at IR Flutterby asking whether we should stick or twist with Bootner. I think both of us are of the opinion that Bootner is nowhere near good enough for United defensively um, but yeah so so we we are short at left back so if we get a, a central midfielder and a winger that's great but the problem is the United have made this massive rod butt for their own back by talking about big signings all summer long and just you know really putting out a very poor PR message the botched Fabregas stuff all the Rooney you know United have looked pretty terrible in this transfer window in terms of their competence at handling transfers but ultimately you take a step back from that and you kind of like you know take the stardust out of my eyes for a minute and and if you'd said to me on the last day of last season we're going to sign Zahar and Fellaini I would have said alright then that's definitely strengthen and Rooney will stay that strengthens the squad and we're in a slightly better position than we were this time last season and fair enough yeah, are we in a better position than we were this time last season? I mean, this time last season when Rooney wasn't trying to get out of the club. We just had Antonio Valencia uh, off the back of his finest ever season for United. And Nani had just put up 15 goals and 16 assists in the season. So there's uh, you know, evolution in the squad, right? So uh, Zahar is one for the future. I think we won't see him start that many games this season. Uh, Rooney still wants out and we'll see exactly you know, what that means for the quality of his campaign coming up. And Fellaini, good player, not a great one. Does that bridge the gap between United and Bayern Munich? Uh, I don't think so. It fills a gap in the squad, which is, you know, definitely needed. And uh, as we've spoken many times, I think if that came as a double package with a, a very high quality sort of ball playing midfielder, I'd accept that. As it is, I think it's kind of not the signing that United needed. But, uh, you know, there you go. That looks like that's what will happen. You know, of course, Everton might dig the heels in. I don't think they will. I think uh, what will happen is United will agree a fee at somewhere near enough the release clause and there'll pro probably be a few add-ons to take it over and above that. And that'll be the price of, of not doing the deal earlier in the season because essentially Fellaini was choice C or D or something like that. Absolutely horrific hypocrisy scenes from David Moyes in the media talking about how Everton should let their best players go, like not stand in the way of their careers. <laughs> Have you met Jolie and Lescott, David? <laughs> you know, I think that one, that one above and beyond the call of football manager hypocrisy. There, mm, he does straight face very well. I, I give, I give Moyes that one. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, the, the, the greatest of all differentiators between this time last season and now is indeed that role, you know, because David Moyes does not give you however many points a season it was that Fergie, he may be the f- perfect, he may be the chosen one to replace Ferguson in the long term, but it is a massive drop off in quality from the first day of last season to the first day of this season sitting in that chair and, you know, we'll get behind him with all our hearts and sing we go wild 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 to the cows come home but we're not going to suddenly make him be sir alex ferguson that's going to take a long time um, yeah if ever does he evolve into the job does he become ferguson uh, who who knows i mean i i somehow doubt it but hey i look let's uh let's hope he he starts that evolution towards being a, a brilliant manager that not everyone thinks he might be by winning at liverpool that'd certainly win a few brownie points wouldn't it it certainly would, and uh, I think it's going to happen. I'm going to predict a, what, two? I've predicted 2-1 to United every game this season, so I think I feel like I should predict something different just for the sake of it. 1-0 to United, there we go. Wow. Well, I've predicted two draws, so I, I ought to get off the fence and not predict another draw. I think United will win 2-1. All right, there we go. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you about all these sorts of things, listeners, and I hope you're those of you who are annoyed with us about the our position on Wayne Rooney, stick with us, you know. We're we're still wearing the shirt. You gotta keep cheering us as well, right? F the audience. <laughs>